Alexander. Shabbat for three. Bingo! Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. He is hard to believe. Here's Jordan. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Dime Dropper 2022 NBA Playoff Post Game Recaps here in the Conference Finals and possibly the last recap of the Conference Finals. It's my sister's birthday today. Happy birthday to my sister. And we're celebrating it tomorrow. So I probably won't be able to go live after Game 6, which is really unfortunate. I'll see what I can do, but it's probably the end of... I probably won't be able to go live. Maybe an Instagram live after the game. But this will be my last live for sure for the conference playoffs. And thankfully, we have a conference uh, champion to talk about with the Golden State Warriors defeating the Dallas Mavericks tonight in Game 5. Before we get started, though, I'm going to talk about the Heat and the Celtics first because I didn't get to go live last night. But before we get started, please make sure to subscribe on YouTube at Dime Dropper Podcast, Apple Podcasts, Follow us on Spotify, and of course to follow us on all social media platforms at Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and if you're on Facebook, which I don't know if many of you guys are these days, give us a like. But also make sure to comment and turn on the notification bell to know when I'm going live or posting any video of any sort, and make sure to leave a comment for the algorithms after the video's over. And if you're in the chat right now, tap in, throw some comments in there. Let's get going. So... Celtics and the Heat last night, it was a slugfest. It was a slow game. Robert Williams and Marcus Smart and Al Horford all played for the first time, I believe, in the series. Obviously, it was, I think, Marcus Smart. Was it then missed game four? Yeah, it was. Marcus Smart missed game four. He was back for the Heat. They still didn't have Tyler Hero, and boy, did they miss him. But very, very defensive game to start. Um, and it was a first. The first quarter was nineteen to seventeen, Miami by two. Jimmy Butler missed a layup early on in the game, and that would be a theme for the rest of the night. He could not get many easy looks at all. He clearly did not look a hundred percent. But you know what I always say. You know, I I keep it consistent with players. If you're if you're healthy enough to be out there. You're going to have the excuses. I, you can maybe not play as well as you always do, but it goes out the window. He's missing layups. He was airballing mid-ranges by the second half, and the Celtics did a really good job of only leaving guys that are capable of guarding him on him. And, you know, Jimmy against really elite defenders, he kind of does struggle to get good shots off. He's not the quickest in the world, but he does. He did lose a step for sure with the injury. He's not the quickest in the world, but he is good at getting to the basket. However, his jump shot can still be a little bit suspect, and he's, he doesn't create too much separation. doesn't have too shifty of a handle. And then, without Tyler Hero, they really lacked shot creation all night long. Even though what's funny is that they led by five going into halftime, but the, the Boston Celtics turned up on them in the second half. And what, what was really interesting was Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown were not shooting the ball well by the half, by the end of the first half, but they were only down by five points, 37. Or they were only down by seven, I think it was... Yeah, 37-42, they only have my five. So you knew that if Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum start getting going, they're going to be, the, the Heat are going to be in big trouble. And 
that's exactly what ended up happening. It was led by Jalen Brown, but both of them got going. But Jalen Brown started hitting threes, step backs. He was in his bag. And that's yesterday really showed why this series was picked by many people the way it was. Boston, for me, Boston Celtics in six games. Because the Celtics just have two high-level scorers or elite shot creators that can create their own shot one-on-one. You know what I'm saying? They can get the best defenders in the league, and they're still going to be able to get good shots. I don't know if I can say that about anybody on the Miami Heat. Jimmy Butler's a fantastic player. He'll still get you 20. But he his impact is a little bit more all around. In terms of scoring, they lack that number one score on most championship teams. Bam Adebayo, after an incredible game three, has reverted back to a guy that does not look like he's a star. Doesn't feel like he's a star. He plays like a role player, doesn't ask for the ball. Again, last night, I mean, he actually did shoot 15 shots. He made eight of them, 18 points and 10 rebounds, but not enough demanding the ball, especially if you're shooting that well. I wouldn't even have been able to tell watching the game. And then obviously, Kyle Lowry, we also have to talk about. You know, what happened with the Heat was they were generating a decent amount of good looks, but it was just three after three after three. Outside of Jimmy Butler, they don't seem to, and of course with Tyler Hero's not playing, they don't seem to get any different kinds of looks. They live and die by the three. We saw Duncan Robinson play uh, for 28 minutes last night, and he had 11 points, but he shot three for 10 from deep. As a team, they were seven for 45 from three. The Celtics, 10 for 33, so not that much better, but they had those the, the flurry in the third quarter to score 32 points. That was the only quarter where a team scored 30. And it's funny because one of my friends called me before the game and asked me if he think if I think either team will if both teams will score over a hundred. And I looked at the series; every single team has scored a hundred or more, except for the Heat in Game Four when they got blown out. And then last night, neither team scored a hundred points. So that was pretty funny. But the my, the Celtics in the third quarter, you know, Jason Tatum was starting to go to the post against guys like Strews, getting in the basket, being aggressive. Al Horford was doing his thing as usual. 5 for 8, 16 points. And Rob Williams doing a good job on Bam. 6 points, 10 boards. Did his thing. But Jalen Brown was really the star of the show last night in the second half. After a really cold first half, he had 25 points, 4 rebounds on 10 of 19 shooting, and 5 for 9 from deep. And then Jason... And we've seen that a lot from Jalen Brown in these playoffs and the second halves going off. And Jason Tatum, again, just showing why he's the best player in the series for me. I know Jimmy Butler got injured, and now Heat fans are going to always be able to use that. But I think this Heat team seriously lacks shot creation. Um, and I think Kyle Lowry, I, I'm not going to forget about him, guys. Abysmal. You know, him and Max Struess have shot like what? What was? I don't know what the exact stat is, but it was like 1 for 30 or three for thir- 2 for 33 or something in the last two games. Or maybe like 1 for 19 or something like that. Kyle Lowry was 0 for 6 in Game 5 with a donut. Max Struess was 0 for 9 with 4 points. So two consecutive games for Max Strudel, he doesn't have a field goal, which is really unacceptable for a guy who played very well in the Games 1 and 3. And then Kyle Lowry, who was pay- getting paid $30 million, or close to it, I know it's just only his third game back, but man, this has been a complete failure of the first season for him. You know, if we're just going off regular season... This was fine. It was fine. But that's not what Miami Heat are playing for. And honestly, if we're actually if we're, if we're being real, the Miami Heat have had a good season to get back to the Eastern Conference Finals and, and win two games, even if they lose tomorrow. It's still been a great season. But the Miami Heat are, a champ, are, in a, in a, are an organization that is striving for a championship. And they're very close. 
right now, and Close isn't really going to cut it. So Kyle Lowry getting paid as much as he is and supposed to be the third star of this team, he hasn't performed in these playoffs. He's been injured. He looks fat. He looks slow. He doesn't look in shape. He's not aggressive. He just tries to come in and just try to foul bait, take charges. Yesterday he got in foul trouble, and he never got going. And for the second straight game, you know, Raptors fans, and I, I really like the Raptors fans that follow me on Twitter and that are my subscribers. Like, I really fuck with you guys. But I know you guys like this guy a lot, but, like, y'all y'all talk about him like he's so great. Like, he may be a Hall of Famer, maybe, because we the NBA Hall of Fame is soft, but they, they're only soft to who they want to be. You know, Marcus Johnson and, and you know, Kevin Johnson because of off-the-court stuff. But Marcus Johnson has no reason not to be in the Hall of Fame. Gus Williams has no reason not to be in the Hall of Fame. And many other more I can keep going. Walter Davis. So Kyle Lowry, I just think that there's other guys before him that I would consider. And... I think he had plenty of postseason failures, and if he didn't play that one season with Kawhi Leonard, we may never talk about him the same way, and he might have maybe never gotten that swagger that he got for that 2020 season. And he's a good, he's, he's a really solid player for this era. I think it's it's pretty sad that he is the greatest Raptor of all time, just considering every other franchise's potential greatest player of all time is probably better than him at basketball. But that being said, the Raptors have had better players than Kyle Lowry too. It's just what it means to the franchise. And he has a ring and my franchise doesn't. So you guys can clown me in the comments for that. But zero points was not good enough. Kyle Lowry's first season in the Heat as a member of the Heat, not good enough to me because he didn't perform well in the playoffs. But Jimmy Butler, he doesn't go excuse-free either. He had a tough night. He was missing just routine shots. He doesn't get much elevation on his jumper as it is. So the fact that he... Couldn't really move as well. Definitely hurt, but still should have made some of the shots he made. 13 points, 6 rebounds, 4 assists, 4 for 18 shooting, and 1 for 5 from deep. I thought he was shooting still too many threes, and that's the second inefficient game for him in a row. The Heat only shot 32%. Gabe Vincent gave them 15 points off the bench on 6 for 12 shooting. Victor Oladipo was 1 for 7. And as I said, the backcourt to combine for 0 for 15, no good. And yeah, that's it. The Celtics win at 93-80. Their defense rides at home. They're going to have a chance in Game 6 in front of the Boston crowd to win and go back to the finals for the first time since 2010. If I wonder if Larry Bird is going to be there to present his trophy. That would be hilarious. Oh my God, in Boston, imagine the scenes. Wow. But it's a special moment. The Celtics go back to the finals and meet the Warriors, which is a perfect segue to tonight's game you knew the stakes Dallas Mavericks had to get a win or they were done zo but the Golden State Warriors came out ready to play you know in the beginning of the game you saw the Dallas Mavericks they weren't when they start Dwight Powell they don't switch on every screen you see a lot of like showing and uh, recovering and the thing about the Dallas Mavericks is I'm not even just talking about on ball screens off ball, there are so many screens being set by this Warriors team. It's just so hard to guard them. You'll have off ball screens being set on both sides of the court. I mean, this keeps your defense occupied. And when I watch the Warriors play, I actually kind of enjoy it because it's different than every other team. Not just the ball movement, but the movement without the ball. You've heard me talk about it so much if you listen to my shit, but... It's just different than every other team. Every other team is so much more predictable. Just variations of high pick and roll. And the Warriors are just so spontaneous with their movement. And everybody has adapted this, uh, adopted this into their skill set. You know, we always talk about Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, but Jordan Poole, Andrew Wiggins, the way they've been moving without the ball this playoffs and this season, nothing short of spectacular. And you know what I always say about the best players, their tendencies and characteristics rub off on the rest of the team. 
and Steph Curry, you can see that, and Draymond Green in his ways, you can see that as well. They defend, they communicate, and tonight they had Luka uh, having a very tough time. You know, in the first quarter, he made a couple of good plays, Luka, but as it went on, you saw him getting a little frustrated with the lack of calls he was getting from the officials. And I thought Steph Curry had a really solid start, just playmaking. You know when he's coming off screens if you're not switching. And sometimes even when you switch, he can kind of back cut or he slips it very quickly before you, you know, before you fully switch on to him. But when you when you, when you don't switch and you gotta just whoever is the screener uh, guarding the screener that's setting a screen for Curry, he's got to step up a little bit to take away Curry's immediate look even when he doesn't have the ball, even when he's coming off a screen off the ball, which always sends two defenders and opens it up for guys. And Steph makes great plays for other people. He was made an, I remember, I think the first basket of the game tonight for the Warriors was a Steph to Looney play because Steph attracted two defenders. He finds Wiggins, Draymond. He was doing it all night. And I remember at the end of the first half, Steph Curry only had like five points. And I remember thinking like, it does not feel like he only has five points because he had seven assists. And obviously, as I say, his off-ball movement just creates so much, and it allows the Warriors to play this way. You know, I think the, when you talk about the Mavs and they play the way that they play and get the ball to Luka and kind of get out of the way all the time, that's because Luka hasn't shown to me any off-the-ball tendencies. And the way his body is, is kind of like, he's like, he has like the LeBron, I don't want to say the, the ripped build of him and the athletic chiseled build, but in terms of size, I bet you like their weight isn't that different. At least, you know, maybe when LeBron was young, for sure, it wasn't that different because LeBron was a little thin, was thinner back then. But they have a similar sort of sense. They like to just kind of charge in from the top a little bit and use their strength in that way. Occasional post up, but off the ball, it's not like they can move. They're not, you know, like the Kobe. They're not like shooting guards like Devin Booker's or even the way Jason Tatum moves. He can kind of catch the ball on the move and work quickly. And Jalen Brown to the same degree. But Luca and LeBron, they're kind of like more catch it, turn and face, survey. And I think that that's part of why the Mavericks play the way that they do. The Warriors is different. Steph Curry is very quick with his decision-making. He's constantly trying to, you know, make a move. Doesn't waste much waste much movement. And, you know, they follow suit. Klay Thompson, eight points in the first quarter tonight, got off to a great start, and it was just Kenny Smith said it before the game. It felt like a Klay Thompson game, and it was 41 to 29 was the second quarter score in favor of Golden State. They started lighting up the Mavs because the Mavs couldn't stay in front of Jordan Poole and Steph Curry and Klay Thompson was making tough shots. Like he had a couple contested threes. He had a transition, two transition threes. And Steph Curry though, they were getting they're putting just like the Warriors were putting or the Mavs were trying to put Steph in the pick and roll a lot as usual as we've seen this series. And Steph was doing a really solid job of showing and recovering, and a couple of times, I remember there was one time early in the game, first quarter, when Wiggins was picking him up like about 60 feet away from the basket, and they were setting a screen at half court for Luka to try to get downhill, and Steph came up and hedged it hard, and Luka lost the ball, and Wiggins scored to make it 9-2. So just a great example of the Warriors putting pressure on Luka and not giving him anything easy, making him only go 1-1 against guys that can actually guard him and somebody who came in and did, had a very unexpected great impact tonight the only other bench player besides Jordan Poole to play 20 plus minutes Nemanja Bielica 5.6 rebounds and three assists he had some really good defensive plays I remember one time Wiggins ran somebody off the line and then Bielica came and helped him as as the guy got by him 
And then Bielitsa also had some good defensive possessions on Luka, where the Warriors, I was kind of surprised they let him switch on to Luka, and he moved his feet well. And look at Bielitsa's body. He kind of has a very similar build to Luka, so he can't get overpowered. As long as he stays with him laterally, he's okay, and he did a decent job of that. And there were a couple times Luka was going at him in the mid-post area where he couldn't create as much downhill uh, momentum. So Nemanja was able to stay in front of him and do his thing. So I thought he was really solid and... Andrew Wiggins just continuing to move without the ball, play good defense. He can't make threes, though, right now for some reason. I think his shot's really flat. He doesn't really have any arc on it, and it's very on the line sometimes. It just doesn't really get, doesn't have the touch that goes in, you know? But he was 0 for 7 from a 3 tonight, but 7 for 16 from the field, just moving well in transition, uh, and obviously moving without the ball. Off screens, cutting, setting screens, doing a little bit of everything. And then, of course, you know what he's been doing on the glass all playoffs long. Three offensive rebounds tonight, 10 rebounds overall. And while we're on the subject of rebounding, I cannot go without mentioning Kavon Looney. What a series he had. We saw him get more minutes in this series than the others. He played 31 minutes tonight and again doing all the little things. Setting screens, finishing around the basket. There was even one play where he got the ball at the foul line and drove and went all the way for a right-handed layup on an offensive rebound, I believe. And just the amount of offensive rebounds that he got, seven of them tonight, 18 rebounds total, 10 points. His ability to switch on to Luka for various possessions in the series. He was just amazing, amazing. You need guys like that to just do their role. And this, I mean, Kevon Looney is the only role player that was a part of the big three, you know, this Warriors run that they've had this last eight years. And this has been his most impactful run in my eyes. I mean, Warriors fans, you can let me know what you think, but I don't remember Looney having this great of a postseason in 2018 or 17. This, or even 19. This was amazing, the way he played. Protecting the rim as well, just doing a little bit of everything. Four assists. But the second half, the Warriors just kind of pulled away. Jordan Poole, as I said, he was great tonight. He had a really solid series bouncing back off the last couple of games, a bad couple of games for um, from the Grizzlies series. He had 16 points on 6-for-8 shooting in the game, 6 rebounds and 6 assists. Just the way the Warriors move the ball is just phenomenal. They play the game the right way. Steph Curry, he was 5-for-17, didn't shoot the ball well, but again, just another game where you just got to watch the game to see Curry's impact. I just thought he was so... Just does so much with his movement without the ball. It's just so contagious. He makes the right plays. He makes the right passes. He had nine assists tonight. And he also tries on defense. You know, he even had a block tonight on Dorian Finney-Smith closing out on a three. So, Steph Curry, I just thought he was really good. But Klay Thompson is my player. Uh, actually, I wouldn't go with Kevon Looney as my player of the game tonight. But Klay Thompson. And by the way, if you're wondering, Luka, I want to mention this as well. He looked tired. He looked gassed. He was missing everything, settling for threes, not getting back on defense, and he wasn't really creating the great looks that he was in the previous games. He still, they still got some. They were four. They were seventeen for forty-two from deep tonight, so actually not that bad, forty and a half percent. But Jalen Brunson didn't really get going. He was three for ten, and overall, the Warriors, the Mavs, just couldn't defend them tonight. It was just so much going on for the Warrior offense. And couldn't stay in front of the ball, especially Luca. He got blown by so much tonight by Jordan Poole and Steph. So you saw Luca's flaws come out in this series. I don't think he had that great of a series. I think Steph Curry, honestly, I'd give him the nod still as the best player in the series because of the off-ball movement and what it does for his team. I, I think you can still argue that Luca's better. 
he can definitely do more with less at this moment in his career. But I take take Steph right now. It's the ceiling raiser versus floor raiser bullshit, and I I'll take the guy that's ready to win chips. I'm not saying Luca's not, but I just like the way Steph plays the game. I think his off ball movement makes it so that if, even if he doesn't play well, his teammates have a better chance of playing well. And I know he has better teammates, but it's more than just that. I also think Steph's a better defender right now because he's been there longer and he knows he's improved on his deficiencies. And Luca has time to do that. Ten for twenty eight from the field for Luca tonight. Three for thirteen from the fe- from the three point line. That's a lot of threes, especially when you're not hitting. Twenty eight points, nine rebounds, six assists, four turnovers, a couple of bad jump passes, and you know Dorian Finney Smith had thirteen on six for ten shooting. What a playoffs that he he had though, Finney Smith and Reggie Bullock for that matter. And the Mavericks need to be you know happy, and the fans should be happy with the postseason. They beat the Suns. They weren't expected to do that. They just needed to make it out of the first round. They did that and then some. The future's very bright. Now it's up to the offseason. A big one for Dallas. Go out and get a second star for Luka. Not one that's a defensive liability. Probably has to be a better defender than Luka. And then your championship chances are right there with anyone. So a great season for Jason Kidd. I don't really have any harsh feelings about the Mavs, even though we've played them in the playoffs twice. As I always say, we beat them twice. Luca's an amazing player. Had one of the best fourth years of any player ever. He's the best player at this age I've ever seen since LeBron. And him and LeBron are the two best, honestly, in my lifetime. Obviously, I was a little young for Kobe. And yeah, this was 07-esque, but this Warriors team is is better than that 07 Pistons team. Relative to the league especially. And we'll see if the Warriors take it all the way. Maxi Kleba had some decent plays tonight. Some nice blocks. Or he had one block, but it was actually really two. Seven points, eight rebounds, three for six on the field. Spencer Dinwiddie actually played well. He had 26 points on seven for 12 shooting and five for seven from deep. But as I said, the Mavs, they just couldn't contain the dubs. And Clay Thompson was a big reason because of that. He was awesome. He had mid-ranges. He was eight for 16 from deep. And a couple times, you know, the backbreakers, the Mavs made a run. They were down a lot, but they made a run in the fourth quarter and cut it down to eight. But Kavon Looney had two offensive rebounds in which Steph and Clay punished him. And what do great teams do when you give them second chance opportunities? They make you pay. And you knew the second it left Clay and Steph's hands, they, they knew it was going in. I knew it was going in. And that's just the experience just flowing off of them. You can see it. You can see they've been there, done that. They're one of those teams with those kind of tendencies. Experience kills, ladies and gentlemen. Experience kills. The rebounding battle overall, 51 for... Golden State and 34 for Dallas. So again, massive disparity. Six offensive rebounds for Dallas, 14 for the uh, for the Warriors. No rebounds, no rings. The War- the Mavericks play with Maxi Kleber at the five and Dorian Finney-Smith at the five because they don't like Dwight Powell. So they also need to go upgrade a center. Dwight Powell only played seven minutes tonight. He had one shot. It was an and one. He made the free throw and that was it. It felt like I didn't see him the rest of the night. So they clearly don't trust him. They need to go out and get somebody because they don't have enough size. They get killed on the glass. Maxi Kleba is too small. Dorian Finney-Smith is too small when you got Kevon Looney out there. Guys like Andrew Wiggins. And by the way, I haven't mentioned him, but tonight I thought Draymond Green played his best game of the series. All the works. Pushing the ball in transition and finding his shooters. Looking for guys in the cut. Finished well. The fact that he scored 17 points is the most impressive thing. Six for seven. He went up strong and got a couple of nice contact finishes. Hit a corner three. He was spectacular on both ends of the floor. And he's going back to the finals. Andrew Wiggins, 18 and 10, 7 for 16 shooting, 0 for 7 from deep. 
in 40 minutes. Kevon Looney, 10 points, 18 rebounds, and 4 assists on 5 for 8 shooting. 7 of those offensive rebounds. Steph Curry, 15 points, 3 rebounds, 9 assists, 2 steals and a block. Only 2 turnovers. And the Warriors did such a better job in this series of taking care of the ball. 5 for 17 shooting, 2 for 7 from deep. Klay Thompson, 32 points, 12 for 25 shooting, 8 for 15 from deep. Or 8 for 16, I'm sorry. And Jordan Poole. 16 points, 6 rebounds, and 6 assists. The Warriors win it 120-110. to They win the series and win the Western Conference four games to one as the three seed. So for the second year in a row, we have a three seed in the finals. Milwaukee last year, Golden State this year. I talked about Dallas, but now before I end the episode, I want to talk about the Warriors. Let me get a little drink of water first, ladies and gents. The Warriors. Two years since they've been here. Actually, three. There's been a lot that's gone on. Clay Thompson tore his ACL in Game 6 of the 2019 Finals against the Raptors. And you saw a season in 2019-20 where they moved to a new building Kevin Durant left in the offseason, and you thought to yourself, are the Warriors ever going to win a championship again? They'll still be great without KD, but are they ever going to win a championship again? I said that I don't think Steph Curry will ever win a championship as the best player ever again after KD left. And right now, I could be looking the fool. It's not over yet, though, and I'm rooting for him now, but I could be looking the fool. Steph Curry then proceeds to break his wrist or break his hand in the early going or early parts of the 2020 season and misses the entire year. So then the Warriors basically tank and get James Wiseman in the draft, the second pick after being terrible. We have a pandemic and the Warriors come back in 2020 21 with Steph Curry, Kelly Oubre. Obviously, they made the trade for Andrew Wiggins right before the pandemic. For D'Angelo Russell. They knew they didn't need another score first guard. They wanted to go out and get wings because they knew that they were depleted after they lost Andre Iguodala, Kevin Durant, Sean Livingston. So, last year was my first full season doing Dime Dropper. We watched all their games. Almost all. You know, at least a good 40, 40 of them. It was an amazing Steph Curry season. MVP caliber. Arguably the best player in the world. Draymond Green. He came back and he had a better season than 2020, but still his offensive deficiencies, he couldn't even average 10 points. It was a tough look. No Klay Thompson still for a second year. Everybody thought last year was going to be, oh, well, the Warriors are going to be back this year, year. But if you guys remember, obviously, nobody's forgotten because they keep mentioning it as they should. Klay Thompson tore his Achilles after he had just come back from an ACL right before training camp. Or right before preseason. I don't remember if it was right. I don't remember if it was right before preseason or right before training camp. What a blow that was! And the Warriors played last season. Curry tried really hard. James Wiseman was injured here a lot in the season, and they didn't even make the playoffs. Lost in those two playing games to the Lakers and the Grizzlies. And then now this year was the finally when Clay comes back. The Warriors are going to be dangerous season. You saw from the beginning it was a different kind of year. 
Obviously, they got Jonathan Kaminga and Moses Moody, but we didn't see too much of them in the beginning of the season. It was really the emergence of Jordan Poole that really made the difference. They lost Kelly Oubre, but Jordan Poole was just phenomenal to start the season. They had an easy schedule, but they took advantage of it. And there was just a different mentality for them this season. They were going all in. The fans were back in the Chase Center for the full season for the first time. And they knew Clay was coming back. They got off to a great start. And Clay came back and looked not 100% to his old self. And I still don't think he's as good as he was then. But he's not that much worse. He's kind of like I thought he would be. It's mainly the defense that is not as good as it used to be. But his offense isn't that much different. And, you know, for them to go from... It was all year was Phoenix and Golden State were going to be in the Western Conference Finals. And as the injuries kind of came in, you saw Draymond get injured the second Clay came back. And then Steph got injured when Marcus Smart dove and took him out. You thought, you know, the Warriors are obviously slipping below the Grizzlies now. Maybe they just won't have the rhythm going into the playoffs, especially with their best player being out. And Steph Curry came back in Game 1, came off the bench those first four games against Denver. And they slowly found their rhythm. Jordan Poole was phenomenal in his first postseason. Klay Thompson was better than expected. Had much more efficient games than I thought. I think a lot of people thought he would have. Definitely than I thought he would have. Draymond had another really solid postseason after making it back to the All-Star team this season, even though he missed 36 games. Andrew Wiggins, the season of his career, so bought into his role. You could argue he's the second-best player on this Warriors team all season considering he played 70-plus games and he plays on both ends of the floor and guards the best player every night. But really, Steph Curry, you know, a guy that just doesn't, to me, get enough credit from a lot of fans because everybody's so enamored with stats these days and they don't understand sometimes that less can be more and that sometimes letting your guys get confident and be on the ball can get them in rhythm. And if you're capable of dominating and scoring a lot and affecting the game with as little touches as possible or as little time on the ball as possible, that is the true way of making everybody around you better. Because not a lot of guys, Jordan Poole would not be Jordan Poole if you stuck him in the corner and made Steph Curry just run pick and rolls and get ready for him to, you know, see what the defense, uh, take what the defense gives. He would he would get shots the defense wants. If, if they want Jordan Poole to only shoot, uh, catch and shoot threes, they could limit that in that situation if they just don't close out hard enough, you know, stuff like that. Or sag off, uh, or sag off to help off Curry and then close out to him. But because of the off-ball movement and the way the Warriors play and Steph Curry's unselfishness, Jordan Poole is allowed to just play his game. And, you know, obviously Klay Thompson helps as well because he's so good off the ball. But I just think Steph Curry just understands rhythm and teammates and what it takes to get the most out of his guys. He has a great attitude. He has great enthusiasm for the game. And this Warriors team, you know, it's it's also the coach. Shout out to my boy Steve Kerr. All the Warriors, a lot of Warriors fans on Twitter have given him a hard time. Part of it's because they just, I don't know, find, want, to me it's fi- want to find ways to prop stuff up. But to me, Steve Kerr, he gets it done when it comes to the playoffs. He's always thinking a step ahead. He's not thinking about how to get Curry 30 points a game average during the season. He's thinking about the long haul. And he hasn't lost a series in the West in his coaching career. Just let that sink in. He has never lost a series in the West in his coaching career. Klay Thompson has now made it to six straight finals in seasons that he's played. Insane. This is an incredible run. You know, it's shades of Chicago in ways with the two seasons that they didn't make it, but obviously totally different circumstances. Jordan going to play baseball. But six six title finals appearances in eight years. That's the first since the Bulls. It's unbelievable. And now that they don't have KD, they're much more likable again. I'm 
thoroughly enjoying it. I'm going to have to root for them over Boston because I can't have my friends talking crazy. I don't want the Celtics to get 18 rings. I love the Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. I like this Celtics team. I don't love the Warriors. They're a Northern California team. But I actually don't mind if Steph wins another ring. I think he needs to win another ring and get that Finals MVP to shut the people up and solidify his status as a top 15, top 12 player of all time. Maybe. Maybe. I don't want to say consensus top 12 because no such thing as consensus, you know. But I have him as a consensus top 15 player if he wins this championship in the Finals MVP. Probably projected list around 12th or 13th for me. And would probably be my second point guard of all time. Pretty consensus. So, it's a lot riding here for Steph and the Warriors. I also think this is maybe their last chance with this big three. Steph, Draymond, and Clay. That's just my opinion. It may be. I just think they're slowing down a little bit. But they're right there. They got to get it done. It's just a testament to how great their organization is top to bottom. They just have a winning culture. The way they got Andrew Wiggins to buy in. Say, fuck that number one pick. Fuck your price tag. Just do what you got to do to help us win a championship. And they're doing it. They're doing it. And Steph Curry leads the way and if we're really being real the fact that i can't even tell you who the consensus second best player on this warriors team is draymond clay pool wiggins you can argue four guys are all really in that contention for the two spot but he doesn't have a consensus two which it just, to me just shows how great steph curry is you know what i'm saying we talk about you know this is not a Shaq kobe situation it's not a kareem and magic i think i think chris middleton honestly last season's chris middleton was better than any of these guys uh, I think Drew Holiday maybe last season was maybe maybe better than any of these guys too. Dare I say, Siakam in twenty nineteen in twenty nineteen may have been better. I don't know. Maybe I'm pushing it there. It's not a Kyrie Irving. I'll tell you that. So I think that this you know this is more of a you got to give Steph a lot of credit. You can't say he's being carried. You can't say he has this ridiculous team. He has a very good team that he makes better. Simple as. But anyway. That's it for me tonight, guys. Congratulations to all my followers that are Warriors fans. I know I got a good amount. You guys are always nice to me. I got a lot of respect for your team. Appreciate y'all for all the support. I want to thank everybody, all my Dime Jumper fam, for supporting me uh, through this entire Western Conference. The Warriors are the kings of the West again. After two-year absence, you got to give it to them. It's incredible that they were able to come back. I didn't think they were going to make the finals this year. No way. Not their first year uh, with Clay back. But I did say there was a chance, and I never doubt Steph. I never doubt Draymond when they're healthy and have the help. And this year they had the help. And you got to give a shout-out to all the guys. Looney, Wiggins, Kuminga, uh, Bilitsa, Gary Payton Jr., all of them, Jordan Poole. So congrats to the Warriors. But next year, man, I'm not going to lie, watching that, ceremony just made me jealous of my Clippers finally holding up a trophy of some kind like just let us be that has to be us next year I want to be outside oh it's not going to be the TNT crew sadly next year but I want to be outside man going nuts or in the stadium going nuts seeing us lift any trophy of any kind that's not an individual one a Western Conference championship man just to be on the big stage. It's nothing like the finals. The finals are totally different than the conference finals. Now people that don't even like basketball are going to start watching. And the media, it's just all different. The, the amount of cameras, it's a different level. So to have the LA Clippers, LA's B team be in the, the finals would just be such a dream come true. To just lift up any trophy would just be something else. But that's it for me tonight, guys. I appreciate you. I'll probably not be live tomorrow. Follow me on Instagram, at DiamondRipperPod. I'll probably be live on that. But... Until the finals, baby. Game one. We're almost there. Peace out, y'all. And have a great night.